Super Talk Mississippi media production. All free record on my count. Seven, six, five, four, three, two, roll A, fade up on A. Southern Miss to the top. You're tuned in to the Eagle Hour. Hey, good afternoon, everybody. Welcome to another edition of the Eagle Hour. Bob Getty and Luke Johnson. We're both together today at the First Bank Studio here in beautiful downtown Laurel. And uh, I believe Esquire is back at the uh, studio in Hattiesburg, the First Bank Studio in Hattiesburg producing the show. Glad you're with us this afternoon. Going to be talking to golf coach Eddie Brazier here in just a few minutes. Uh, Julie Brand, who is the former ladies golf coach and now the athletic academic advisor at Mississippi Gulf Coast Community College, about to join us momentarily. Opening segment of the show sponsored today, as it is every day, by Dickey's Barbecue Pit. Our good buds down at Dickey's cook fresh meat in-house every day. And they'll cater any event you may have, large or small, church, office, home, Super Bowl parties, whatever it may be. Uh, you can always sit back, relax, let Dickies do the cooking. They've got a full menu, a catering menu. You can pick uh, just about any variety of food that you want. It'll always be fresh. It'll always be delicious. And uh, we thank Dickies Barbecue Pit for supporting the Eagle Hour. Glad you're with us around the state this afternoon on the Super Talk Radio Network. We go to the Mississippi Gulf Coast to kick things off uh, this afternoon. Julie Brand is the former ladies golf coach at Southern Miss and is now the athletic academic advisor at Mississippi Gulf Coast Junior College, and we thank her for coming on the Eagle Hour. Julie, welcome to the show. Hi, thanks for having me. It's our pleasure to have you. Uh, we're going to talk a little golf with you, but I was talking uh, this this morning uh, to our uh, lady that books everybody, Sheila Hennis, and uh, she was telling me about uh, about your job at Mississippi Gulf Coast. And so a number of questions came to my mind. You've been in college athletics, I gather, for a number of years, and, and now you're dealing with the academic counseling of athletes in today's world, Julie, and I just wonder – how much those athletes have changed, say, from the days that my buddy here, Luke Johnson, was playing football to the athletes that we see today? Um, I think that the main challenges that are different today from when I started coaching right around 2000 um, is the cell phone. I think that that's a huge thing that everybody's connected all the time. They've got it in their hand. They're used to having it. So getting them to put it away and be away from that and engage in class um, has been a real challenge. Hmm. So they have difficulty putting the phone down long enough to attend a class. Is that what I'm hearing you say? Well, sometimes, sometimes. That's one of the main things that we address with them, and we just say, hey, look, our rule is before you walk in the door, it goes in your backpack, and it doesn't come out until you leave that classroom. We need you to be engaged learners. Um, And so I think that that's a difference uh, for them coming out of high school and when they're here. Um, We talk about two things mainly with our athletes, and uh, I always tell them it's 100% within your control, both of these two things, and that's attitude and effort. I need to have the best possible attitude at all times, and I need for you to give me maximum effort, and then I break down and tell them exactly what effort looks like. And, um, you know, they need reminders here and there, but for the most part, I've got really a great group of kids. 
Mm-hmm. Now you coach golf here for a long time. How, how's the transition, man, from from being a day to day coach to the position you're in now? I kind of see myself in the same role, honestly. It's uh, just that I coach them academically, and so I talk to them the same way that I would my athletes, and we talk about um, you know where they are now and benchmark and where we need to be and the steps that we need to take to get there. And so it's um, very similar process, just dealing with academics as opposed to um, golf. Julie, Luke Johnson, thanks for uh, coming on today. You guys, particularly in the community college world, and when we're talking about college athletes and, and with Southern Miss, you know, some sometimes kids don't qualify, and, and our listeners, you know, following Southern Miss hear about that. The community college system in the, in Mississippi is a great opportunity for uh, for kids uh, that that may not have may not have qualified. They can uh, get their academics right and go on to four uh, four year schools, and you get to be a part of that. Absolutely, and. Um, you know, I would say less of our student population actually falls into that um, parameter than I thought would when I first took this job, but we certainly do have some non-qualifiers here and um, just kind of space, pay special attention to what they're doing and really help them work on some learning strategies and um, get used to utilizing tutors. We've got a great tutoring program that's available for all of our students um, in our library. 13 hours a day, we've got four people that are there um, that used to be in the classroom that now just serve as tutors. And so um, we've got tons of resources. It's just a matter of getting kids used to uh, organizing their time properly and using it and and really engaging and and putting forth the effort that it needs uh, in the classroom because they're used to doing that on the field, but we've got to get them used to doing it in the classroom as well. I remember that west uh, side of the rock uh, when when I, you were coaching golf when I was playing football and man Miss uh, Miss Stacy and Miss Tracy and uh, Christy Pierce and and yeah. all those people in 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 study hall and all that man they did such a great job as as a coach and then transitioning to this side of it what it, it, I guess is more of a holistic perspective to see how much those people served your athletes back then. Absolutely. Um, I did not truly appreciate, just like most times when you don't do something daily, uh, you don't appreciate the enormity of the job. Um, So now that I do that, uh, especially with people who tend to struggle uh, from time to time, uh, it's a a very big job. And uh, I definitely appreciate all that they did because they not only had football players, but just like me, they had other sports as well. And so, um, yeah, it's, it's been an interesting transition, but a good one. People, um, you know, just forget how long you served the university. I mean, 15 years. I mean, you, you look right. at uh, that's what you think about basketball with Coach Turk, football uh, with, with Coach Bauer. That was a pretty good run. You guys uh, set some records. And what, what was some of the most rewarding times you had as the golf coach at Southern Miss? It was. Um, you know, I think the most rewarding thing looking back is the relationships that I was able to create with my athletes. I'm still very close with a bunch of uh, my former players, and to see them go on and do great things um, in the community and um, have families of their own and take their golf games uh, to the next level sometimes, um, it, it, it was a great experience. We had a lot of fun on trips. We had a lot of success uh, on the golf course and, and in the classroom at the same time. So I um, had a couple of players that definitely stood out, and um, Virginia Espejo was one of them. She was 
phenomenal player, and Brandy Rodriguez was um, one of the best players we've had there at USM, and um, they won a lot of tournaments and, and posted a lot of low scores. Hey, Julie, we hear the term student-athlete a lot, and, and you work directly in that field right now. I don't know if you can put an exact percentage on this, but what percentage of kids come into a college uh, and embrace that role as a student-athlete, and what percentage do you think come in and, and don't fully understand that the, the af- academic part of it is every bit as important as the athletic performance? That's something that we try to stress right from the moment that they get here. Um, and the first meeting that I have with the um, student athletes and their parents um, when they're here for orientation. Uh, so we try to indoctrinate them and, and let them understand that that is what's going to keep them on the field. And that's a conversation that I continually have with people who struggle. I have to bring them in and say, look, I know that you don't necessarily value this side of it, but you have to understand that this is the price of playing football or basketball or golf or whatever it is from this point forward. This absolutely positively has to happen first or you will not be able to continue. Um, so I think just driving that point home repeatedly for people who maybe um, – have not been brought up in an environment where they necessarily understand that the academic side of things is important. And we talk a lot about the percentages of of what people are going to end up playing their sport professionally and how that can be taken away in an instant. And so, you know, you can be driving down the street and have a car accident that's no fault of your own. And I explain to them that education is something that will never be taken from you. Once you are an educated person, that is something that no one else can take from you. So um, I drive it home every day um, as much as I possibly can, and I do think that they listen. Mm-hmm. All right, we have just a few seconds left. Here's the big question of the day. Easier to deal with and keep them in class and keep them doing what they're supposed to do, boys or girls? I'm going to have to go with girls, <laughs> um, and I will tell you why. <laughs> I think there is a why behind that. I think that girls know that they are not going to be professional athletes for the most part. I think there is very little opportunity to be a professional golfer, tennis player, basketball player, softball player, whatever that is. Um, It's minuscule opportunity. And so girls are not raised believing that they are going to be professional athletes. They believe that they are going to be a professional this, that, or the other. They're going to be a nurse. They're going to be a doctor. They're going to be a lawyer. They're going to be, um, you know, a support person in some capacity at a university. Um, So they know from the time that they're young that academics are important and it's part of what they need to be successful in life. I think that sometimes boys are um, of the mindset that they're going to be a professional athlete. So it helps too that you speak that language called girl too, Julie. That that really right. hey, they're gonna they're gonna give you a, a national championship ring for all that academic advising for football, right? I don't know. We'll see. Hopefully so. Well, congratulations on that. Hey, thanks for being on the Eagle Hour today, and thanks for everything you did for Southern Miss. Well, thanks so much. Bye bye. Julie Brand, athletic academic advisor for Mississippi Gulf Coast Community College, former Southern Miss Ladies Golf Coach for 15 years. We'll take a break, and we'll be back on the Eagle Hour right after this. Southern Miss to the top. To the top. You're tuned in to the Eagle Hour. Hey, our thanks to Julie Brand for joining us in the first segment, the Athletic Academic Advisor at Mississippi Gulf Coast Community College and, of course, 
former women's golf coach at uh, Southern Miss. This segment of the show is sponsored by Campus Bookmark, campusbookmark.net. If you're in the market for some Southern Miss apparel, that's the only place you need to think about. They're located on Hardy Street right across from the Southern Miss campus. You can shop them online at uh, campusbookmark.net and they will deliver your items right to your front door. So I'm in Laurel today with uh, with Luke. And, Luke, I'm, I'm going to give this unsolicited advice to anyone who comes into this area. If you're in Laurel and you're coming down, if you're going to be here during the lunch hour, you have to take the South Laurel exit off the interstate. You go down, I guess that's old Highway 11, yep. until you find Hog Heaven Barbecue. And you go in there and you order any meat you want, but you be sure you order the sweet potato casserole. It's like a dessert. It it's really unbelievable. is. A, it's an extra dessert. It's unbelievable. My mom, uh, about a week and a half, a week ago, she got a bunch of chicken thighs, boneless chicken thighs right. from there. And we ate on them for like three or four days. I mean, it's really it's good. Unbelievable. Every time Lauren goes, Lauren gets the fish, and the fish is really good too. But the sweet potato casserole is a non-negotiable. Why does Lauren go to a barbecue place and get fish? Because it's the best fish around. <laughs> it's really good. Well, I made another stop too. My wife uh, works at Forest General Hospital. There's a bakery here on uh, sweet this... sweet somethings right here. Yes, and uh, so I was. Adv- she was advised by a doctor in Hattiesburg to get a king cake. From this bakery. Now, I'll confess, I've never had a king cake. I don't really, really? know what king cake is, but uh, I bought one. It's very colorful. And uh, is it going to be as good as everyone advertises? Luke? Sweet, sweet somethings is really good. They do it right down there for sure. You don't ever go in there, do you? Since the diet, I've been in maybe once. Before the diet, once or twice a week. <laughs> it's really good. It's really good. All right. So uh, my my advice for the day, sweet potato casserole, hog heaven barbecue. If you're anywhere near uh, the Laurel area, it's a must-do stop. The, our next guest on the Eagle Hour today, um, I assume, has eaten a king cake or two before, Eddie Brescher, um, who w- went to southeastern Louisiana. Uh, Coach, you've probably eaten a few king cakes in the, in your in your time, hadn't you? Well, I was going to say, uh, when hearing you guys talk about the king cake, man, you have got to get some king cake in your life. Uh, trust me, from a born and bred Louisiana boy. <laughs> what, what was your go-to? I mean, Paul's is always good in Picayune, but, man, was it, is it Rizzo's, Rizzo's in, in Metairie, that the one that everybody goes to? There's a Randazzo's. Um, Randazzo's, has, uh, yeah. Very good. Yes, correct. So they got a great king cake. I, myself, am not a stuffing or a filling guy. I'm kind of the plain Jane uh, king cake, and uh, I'm not a big stuffing guy, but you got to get some king cake in your life no matter what your uh, your flavor is. Now, Coach, what do you mean when you say stuffing? I'm educating myself today on king cake. Well, some have some, uh, you know, jelly fillings and things like that, kind of like a jelly donut or something. Uh, and you get your, your just your normal uh, dough uh, with your sugar on the outside and that's that's the go-to for uh, myself as a Louisiana boy. And pretty diabetic friendly, would you say, Coach? <laughs> uh, no. <laughs> <laughs> Coach, thanks for coming on today, man. We're about to kick back up golf season. Uh, man, your fall season, you guys had three top six finishes. You finished second in Sam Hall, and then you went up to Morgantown, West Virginia, finished third in, in, in the Mountaineer Classic up there. Man, some uh, real e- excitement, I should say, on the course for the Eagles looking to the spring. 
Absolutely. Um, you know, we had a lot of good success this fall season. Um, with the Sam Hall Intercollegiate, we basically rewrote the record books. Uh, we broke a team scoring average for 18 holes, 36 holes, and 54 holes. So that was a great way to kick off the season, carry the momentum over to uh, Morgantown uh, with the West Virginia event uh, of the Pete Dye Club. Came in third there, picked up a couple good head-to-head victories against some top-ranked teams in the country. Um, kind of cooled off a little bit there. Uh, we were hoping to end a little bit better with uh, our performance at Georgia State and uh, at Little Rock. Uh, but still, overall, a, a pretty solid fall. You know, we, we've the guys are back in town. We've already had our team meetings and everything, and we've pretty much set the precedent of what we want to do for this spring season. And, you know, we want to make a push to see if we can become a regional contender going into uh, the end of the spring season. So February 10th and 11th down in Mobile for the South Alabama's Mobile Authority Sports Intercollegiate. Pretty cool when you get to play in Alabama because you always get to play on those Robert Trent Jones courses what does the, the the prep work we when we think about basketball or football they get into town the day before but as far as golf like when do your guys show up do they have practice rounds before uh, the real round takes place absolutely so we normally we'll have a travel day because uh, you know with, with us we're, we're taking a lot of time on the highways um, you know driving around to all these events and you know we, we try to spread it out across the country uh, we, we try not to stay in the southeastern bubble uh, we want to spread around our head-to-head, so we're on the road quite a bit. Um, but once we get there, you know, we've got your day for your practice round and any kind of prep to get used to the type of grass, get used to the lines off the tees, you know, what, what is this hole doing? You know, there may be some tucked bunkers or some hidden hazards that you're just not familiar with. But, you know, our guys are used to that because we're in such a great golf situation in Hattiesburg I mean, we're an hour and a half from all these great cities with all these great golf courses, you know, so we try to move around. And, you know, we went to Fallen Oak last week. Uh, we went to Magnolia Grove on wow. Sunday, the site of the tournament. Um, you know, next week we're going up to Jackson to play at CCJ. And then, you know, we've got our place, Cambridge, Timberton, all here in town. I mean, there's all kinds of great places. So, you know, you show up, you say, here it is, boys. Uh, we're qualifying today to see who's going to get a seat in the van and figure it out. There you go. All right, Coach, obviously uh, team golf not as prevalent in all high schools as, say, football, basketball. So we know how we know how coaches of those sports go out and find the kids that they want in their program. But let our listeners know, so how does a golf coach like yourself go out, prospect good players, uh, see them play, and then and bring those kids into your program? That's a great question. Um, you know, we recruit on a global scale. Um, you know, you can look at, at the tour leaderboard each week. Um, there's great players from all over the world. So in golf, we're recruiting on a global scale. Um, we will go anywhere uh, within our recruiting calendar, and we will find the best players in the world. We will identify them and then uh, sell them on our, our great university, our great facilities, you know, our, our fantastic uh, cost to go to school at Southern Miss versus other places. So. I mean, it's a, it's a no-brainer, but the biggest thing for us we've got selling-wise is the weather. You know, even though it's raining outside, I mean, there's a lot of teams up north that there's snow on the ground right now, and they're not able to, to get outside at all. Mm-hmm. What, do you see a lot of kids, though, that, that, are, that are playing in high school, or, or, or do you see kids that 
maybe their dads taught them to play golf and they grew up playing golf with uh, with a parent uh, and they're playing golf outside of organized golf teams. Absolutely. You know, that that's a big thing for us because, you know, if you want to get ranked on a national scale or a global scale, you've got to compete in uh, 36-hole events or 54 or 72, but the minimum is 36-hole events. And, you know, unfortunately, sometimes you're kind of strapped with time and logistics with high school golf that you can't get those 36-hole events in. Um, you know, and, and that's what we want to see when we recruit. You know, if you go to an event that's, uh, you know, an elite junior event that's got – a hundred of the, you know, some of the best ranked kids uh, in this part of the country. Well, that's a pretty good sample size. You want to see how those boys stack up, and you know, if there's someone you've got your eye on, let's say they go out and shoot 67 the first round, and they've got the lead. Well, now they've got to go home and uh, or the hotel. They got to sleep on that lead. You know, there's some nerves involved with that. How are they going to handle themselves at warm ups the next day? And can they step up and perform, or will they be scared? You know, so. Mm-hmm. It's golf is such a mental game. Um, you know, there's a lot more components to it than just, you know, oh, I can hit it 300 yards. Well, that's great if if it takes you four to get it in the hole from 150 yards. That, that's that's not helping you too much on the D1 level. <laughs> Coach, uh, about a minute left. You got two young guns. Uh, you talked about the international. You, you got a young kid from Thailand, another kid from uh, Ontario, and, and Robbie Ladder. I think was one of your top lower lower scorers in the fall. Some of these young, it's it's a good combination of young guns and some senior leadership, also. Absolutely. You know, we've got great kids in our program. I argue that this is some of the best talent ever assembled at Southern Miss, and uh, it's starting to show with some of our results. You know, that's no knock on the guys that have come before, you know, because we've had some great players come through. But, you know, we've got the depth now that we've been really searching for. Um, you know, if you think of it in in the professional world of things, you know, Rory McIlroy, he may miss the cut one week. But, you know, the next week he's still going to be a top contender to win. So if you've got a guy on your roster that's, you know, struggling a little bit, well, we've got the depth now for guys to fill that gap. Um, and when you got two freshmen come in from day one and, and they're getting in the lineup and uh, the top of your, your scoring average uh, for your team, that, that's a big wake-up call. You know, so our seniors aren't taking that lightly, and you know, they're, they're ready to get to work, and they've been putting in some good work and looking forward to our first event. Well, Coach, we appreciate your time, and, uh, man, go get them down in Mobile February the 10th, and uh, good luck the rest of the season for the Eagles. Thanks, guys, and good luck with the king cake search. Appreciate that. Zeddy Brescher, a men's golf coach for Southern Miss. We'll take another time out. Be right back on the Eagle Hour on Super Talk, Mississippi. Southern Miss to the top. Back on a rainy Wednesday, Bob and Luke from the First Bank Studio in beautiful downtown Laurel. Third segment of the Eagle Hour brought to us every day by 4th Street Bar and Grill located on 4th Street, just in the shadow of M.M. Roberts Stadium in Hattiesburg, Mississippi. 8 95 lunch special every day. Stop by and see our friends at 4th Street 
Bar and Grill. Greatly appreciate golf coach Eddie Brescher for uh, stopping by. His men start the spring season February 10th and 11th at the Mobile Authority Sports Intercollegiate down in Mobile at the Magnolia Grove, which is a Robert Trent Jones uh, golf course. And some young guns, Matt Lorenz and Walker Kesterton, the, the seniors on this squad. But, man, some some young guns, and it'll be exciting. And, and just as I uh, mentioned to Coach, too, it's it, – Bob, you and I were talking about it. When you look at what Track's doing, golf, uh, three uh, top or two top three finishes uh, this past fall as they move into the spring. Um, you know, ladies basketball uh, hit, hit a little lull this this past week, but you know, already out to double digit wins. Um, you, you can't just judge everything by football. No, and as we were talking, some of our most successful sports the last couple of years have been, and I, I hesitate to say. The smaller sports, they're not. They're just the less publicized sports. Track and field, women's golf, men's golf. Uh, these kids have been exceptional. And and I always go back to track and field. We, we've talked a lot to Coach Stewart, but, boy, the success that the track and field program has had in the last few years is phenomenal. And now you hear you hear the your golf coach saying the same thing, you know, that they're breaking records. And uh, so kudos to those coaches. They don't get a lot of publicity. That's why we – Always make a point of bringing them on this show, and uh, we're very proud for all those kids. Track and field uh, in Houston this weekend for the Houston G5 and Mid-Major, Mid-Major Invitational. Of course, they're still indoor, uh, and, and around spring break is when the indoor to outdoor season changes over. All right, fresh off the press uh, today, Conference USA league coaches have uh, picked um, a projected order of finish. Eagles on the top. Surprise. Predicted order Not. of finish. Southern Miss, six votes. Uh, Florida Atlantic uh, in second with four first-place votes. Louisiana Tech, Old Dominion. Rice, fifth, but they had a league vote. I wonder if Coach Braga did that Probably. <laughs> for his own guys. FIU, six with one first-place vote. Western Kentucky, seventh. UAB, eighth. UTSA, ninth. Marshall, tenth. Charlotte, eleventh. Middle Tennessee, twelfth. So, uh, one of the things that jumps out to me is three of the top five are in our side of the league. Right, it's our rivals. You know, it's the schools that we become used to in baseball, and uh, I wouldn't have it any other way. Uh, Southern Miss, this would this could be what five consecutive years that they've either won the regular season or conference tournament championship. Mm-hmm. That's right. That's right. right. Some uh, some more preseason uh, accolades. Uh, the player of the year preseason will be Trey Cruz from Rice. He's an infielder. Pitcher of the year, Logan Allen from FIU. But the Golden Eagles land three on the all-conference team. Walker Powell, of course, a starter, probably be the Friday starter for us this year. Gabe Montenegro uh, should be the starting left fielder. And then Matt Guidry. Yeah, Guidry has to be, yeah. So uh, three, Powell, Guidry, and Montenegro all on the all-conference preseason team. Good for them. How many nights do you think that Rice coach has dreamed about that game and replayed it in his mind that he walked Matt Waller? <laughs> we were there. Oh, Remember the FAU uh, pitching coach was sitting with you and I, and he looks at us and goes, I don't know, I'd walk him if it were me at about that time. See ya. <laughs> Gone. <laughs> But again, you know, you look at how these this projected order of finish. Uh, your first opening series, uh, the second weekend of March, is is against uh, FIU, who's a, a projected order top six. 
Um, you get Middle Tennessee at home. Of course, they're at the bottom. But when you look at the big ones, you got FAU first sun, first weekend in, in April. Uh, you got to go to FAU, and then Rice comes the last uh, weekend in April. So mm-hmm. you get Louisiana Tech, two. So two out of the three, you would say, big dogs in the conference. Um, thankfully, you're going to get at the peak. And that FAU is at Florida Atlantic? At Florida Atlantic. Well, that'll be a tough weekend. That'll be a challenging weekend. They're all going to be challenging. You know, when Florida International comes here, uh, they'll be challenging. They're always a talented baseball team. Louisiana Tech always going to fist fight you for nine innings. You know, those guys are never going to go away easy. There's not going to be an easy weekend, really. There won't be at all. I mean, it's exciting, though. I mean, you think about days like this. That's why you got that million-dollar plan facility. That's right. And uh, you can bounce back and – and practice uh, for sure. I thought this was a uh, interesting. We'll talk more about the Super Bowl tomorrow. Uh, but two Golden Eagles in the Super Bowl, uh, Tavarius Moore and, and Nick Mullins. Um, you know they're only a, a select few. But when you look at how many how many Golden Eagle football players have played in the Super Bowl, pretty interesting. Gerald Wilson, Thunderfoot himself, he played in Super Bowl one, the first Super Bowl. That's, yeah. that's pretty cool. He played in Super Bowl one and four. Of course, Ray Guy played in three. Uh, Bud Brown. With the Dolphins, Sammy wow. Winder played in three. Favre played in two back to back. Perry Phoenix played for um, the uh, the Tennessee Titans. Adelius Thomas uh, played in two. Bobby Hamilton played in two. Cool thing about AD, he actually played for two different teams in, in two mm-hmm. different Super Bowls. We've talked to the great Todd Pinkston before. Etrick Pruitt played in Super Bowl. Uh, I think that's forty. Um, Parquet, Jeremy Parquetta played with him. Michael Bowley. Uh, for the Giants, Chris Clark, who's still active for the Texans, made a, a nice playoff run. He's he played uh, when Peyton Manning won the Super Bowl. He played played for that team, and then the uh, Jamie Collins for the Patriots. But how cool is it? Nick Mullins and Tavarius Moore uh, get to get to play in Very their cool. first Super Bowl. And you know, I was looking down that list too. The of uh, the Super Bowl players, we've had Ray Guy, Bud Brown, Sammy Winder. Uh, Adelius Thomas, Bobby Hamilton, and Todd Pinkston off of that list have all been on this. Radio Michael Bowley too. Michael Bowley. Michael Bowley. Patrick Pruitt was was on the show. Yeah. I, I believe we had Chris Clark also. Yeah. So uh, we appreciate all those guys uh, coming on the Eagle. Yeah, it'll be cool. It'll it'll be cool. But I got to tell you, I think I think the sentimental favorite this Sunday is going to be amongst the NFL world is going to be Andy Reid. It's a guy that's been in there a long, long time. Has suffered a lot of terrible family tragedy uh, in his lifetime that he has overcome with the loss of some of his children. And you know, I was never an Andy Reid fan because he was a coach of the Eagles, and I just detest the Eagles. Uh, but uh, you gotta, you gotta kind of be pulling for him a little bit. You know, he's just had a long storied career, and by all accounts, is just a really down to earth, humble guy, and uh, would be. I think nice to see Andy Reid get a Super Bowl. Today. If if Nick was the starting quarterback for the 49ers, it would be really, Correct. really, really, really hard. Correct. Well, if Nick were starting, yeah, you'd have um, to. But T. Moore's going to play a lot. T. Moore's going to play a lot on special teams, and he's going to play some. He's, he's going to play a lot on defense because of how the, the Chiefs throw it, throw it mm-hmm. out. I don't think I've ever told you this story. When I was in eighth grade, uh, Brett and the Packers were making a pretty good run in the playoffs, and my dad just said, Write your uncle about how much you would like to see Favre play. And at that time, uh, my uncle Jim uh, was Trent Lott's executive assistant, and because of you know how the the lobby efforts and everything, he had connections to CBS Sports. 
So I remember in early January, late December, writing a letter to my Uncle Jim just talking about how much I like Brett Favre and all that. Soon enough, they, they made the Super Bowl. My dad comes to me probably Monday of Super Bowl week and says, Sunday afternoon, we're going to New Orleans because your Uncle Jim has got us four tickets to the Super Bowl. Oh, you went? I got to go. I had a Favre jersey on. I wore a cheese head. And we sat in uh, probably about ten rows off the off the field in in the Superdome. It was pretty pretty amazing at the Super Bowl. The Super Bowl when Favre's won Super Bowl, he hits Andre Risen like first series for sixty yard touchdown. Uh, Desmond Howard returns a, a kickoff for a touchdown, and yeah, we were there. It was pretty awesome. That's pretty cool. Yeah, uh, yeah. The Super Bowl's going to be interesting. I I got to tell you, man. I know we'll talk about it more later in the week. Hard pressed to think somebody's going to shut down Kansas City. I mean, those guys are fast, and that quarterback is phenomenal. Uh, they're just very, very good. If somebody can do it, though, it's the, it's it would the be 49ers. the four. I think these are. I think right now these are the two best teams. I mean, w- we said that would have been Baltimore early in the year. We just said it was New England, right? Then we would have said it was Baltimore, but Kansas City's the team there, and Kansas City's been a contender all year long. So uh, push comes to shove. Nobody got it done but the Chiefs, and uh, here they sit. All eyes on Miami, and, and we'll break some uh, more. And, more and not to mention, Luke, how long has it been for Kansas City fans, some of the most loyal football fans in the world, the loudest football stadium in the league, and here they are. I think it's been 50 years since they've been the I mean, Super Bowl. When the Royals won the World Series, you were like, okay, maybe the mm-hmm. Chiefs have a chance because mm-hmm. the Royals aren't supposed to win the World Series. But right. yeah, it's just when I was a part of it when when we moved to New Orleans and were a part of rebuilding the city after Katrina and and all that, I saw for I, I was a Saints fan, but I saw firsthand how much um that franchise meant to that city. And it's the same way with Kansas City. It's the same no, way anywhere. No, yeah. There's a love affair between NFL cities and their and their franchise. One other way to look at the Super Bowl very quickly, it's Mid-America's team, the Kansas City Chiefs against Nancy Pelosi's San oh, Francisco Oh, don't 49ers. throw Nick Mullins and Tavarius Moore in that. Don't do that. We'll be right back. Tuned in to the Eagle Hour. The Eagle Hour. Southern Miss to the top. Fourth segment of the Eagle Hour brought to you every day by Toyota Hattiesburg, located on Highway 98 in Hattiesburg or online, toyotahattiesburg.com. Bob and Luke from the First Bank Studios in Laurel. Brandon Wallace producing for us in Hattiesburg, we've uh, this is kind of different, Bob. We're um, been in the studio a lot, but all that's about to change. Right, right got right. some road dates. Yeah, we're gonna be up. on the road. Uh, we're gonna be at um, Sully's in South Hattiesburg this Friday. Looking forward to getting back into that routine. 
the week of the opening of baseball season, which is the second week of February, on Wednesday we will be at 4th Street Bar and Grill along with head coach Scott Berry. We hope the basketball coach is going to be there with us as well. And uh, some representatives from uh, Keith Superstores will be joining us at 4th Street that Wednesday. Then that Friday we go back to one of our favorite places, Fuzzy's Tacos, with uh, Justin and the gang down there. That's always a lot of fun. Uh, but first things first, this Friday we're back at Sully's. And, uh, gosh, we always hate to go to these restaurants and Man, do the show, don't we? This, this sounds like diet talk, but... I usually I usually get when I go at night to Sully's I get a steak, but man I got grilled grilled chicken salad last time we had a remote there. It was as world. It was good, fine, and you know people people take care of their pastor sometimes. Right. So for for Christmas, right? Someone gave me and Lauren a Sully's gift card. Oh, yes, and and you did take one. I hadn't hadn't done it yet. Yeah, but we yeah we we were going to do that. Um, coaching news. Uh, Jay Hobson confirms yesterday that Tony Pecorero, the former defensive coordinator for the Eagles, uh, in, he, he left after the 2016 season, was last year at Kansas. In between was at Florida Atlantic with Lane Kiffin. He's back. And the benefit to that is you basically get another defensive coordinator on your staff. His role's still TBD, but that, that's big news for Golden Eagle fans. So Derek Nicholson going to Louisville. Tony Pecoraro back on the defensive staff. That's official. Now, you told me that one of your old coaches and one, I think, one of the most beloved figures in Southern Miss football is back, back in the game as well, Tyrone Nix. Yeah, Tyrone Nix, uh, who's been at Ole Miss the last few, or this past year, he was at Virginia Tech, bounced around as a defensive coordinator, defensive assistant. He is set to become the new defensive coordinator at UTSA. So Tyrone Nix back in um, college football are back in Conference USA college football, and uh, I used I'll, I hate facing Tyrone uh, Nix's defenses, uh, but it's good to see him back uh, where he belongs in a coordinator position. Luke, these guys just bounce from job to job to job. It, it must be hard to break into coaching because it does seem that more times than not, when they're coaching vacancies, both in college and professional football. It's a coach coming from one coaching position to another. Was it that way when you were playing? I mean, because Coach Bauer had been been there so long, we had a lot of uh, you know, a lot of solidity within our coaching staff. Uh, we had one of the uh, we had a few guys that would would transfer out. But you see where some of your former coaches were. Dave Warner, who was our wide receiver coach on the uh, 2003 squad, he's been at Michigan State for like the last eight years. Jay Johnson, who was offensive coordinator my senior year. Um, Great, great to do. I think he's at Colorado now. And so you, you see where some of those guys went. Of course, Derek Nix, man. Uh, D Nix is, he, he was, and it was weird. He, he actually got let go and then he got retained by Kiffin. He's coaching wide receivers at Ole Miss. Um, Derek's been in Oxford for a long time. Whatever, whatever you feel about Derek Nix being an Ole Miss rebel, Derek Nix is a very good football coach. Mm-hmm. And for him, to be an assistant coach under four head coaches at Ole Miss speaks, says a lot. Says a lot, and and you got to remember he came back to Ole Miss because he was with the Atlanta Falcons. Right. I mean, he was in his uh, late twenties, early early thirties, and coaching, being a position coach in the NFL. So was he on the team when you were? Yes. I right, put in perspective for we talk about this a lot. A lot of young Southern Miss fans don't have a great amount of perspective as some of us older guys do. Put in perspective how great running back Derek Nix was. D. Nix was the baby bull. Um, he was a great size and uh, strength running back, and he had he had deceptive speed too. He could he was just 
in some ways he was a bull, but in some ways he was smooth also. Um, the thing you liked about him, the thing you, the reason that we followed him so well is because uh, he backed up everything that, that he said. You know, I'll give you an example. We were playing Illinois uh, 2002. They came in the Rock. It was 11 a.m. game. They were the defending Big Ten champions. And uh, we had uh, a few issues. Some guys had, had just kind of been selfish. And, and D-Nick stands up and right before we go out. And he just says, hey, we're here for us. You play for the guy next to you. Let's go. You know, he just gave us an impassioned speech, and we went out and we beat mm-hmm. the defending Big Ten champs. And would have very likely have played professional football extensively had it yeah. not been for the illness. It was there, actually so. that game. He he fell on a football in the end zone, and that's what kind of led to some of those kidney issues. Um, but he was an outstanding player, outstanding teammate. And then he came back, and he actually was uh, he was on staff uh, my my three years uh, the the three years after that of three or four and oh five. But yeah. You, it's it's cool to see where some of your former coaches, uh, you know, where they where they are today, and, and it's always good to see them successful, knowing that they once coached at Southern Miss. And that's a special family, the Knicks family, very very special family. All right, Luke, enjoyed being over here in beautiful downtown Laurel with you this afternoon. Mardi Gras beads on the street, a great sweet store down there. I'm I'm headed back. So you're going to eat king cake? I'm, I'm headed back to Hattiesburg with the king cake in the passenger seat. Buckled in so nothing happens. Don't open it before your wife gets no, first beat. We'll be back tomorrow at one. Until then, Southern Miss. To the top. Keeps on slipping, slipping, slipping into the future. I want to fly like an eagle to the sea. Fly like an eagle. Let my spirit carry me. I want to fly like an eagle. A Super Talk Mississippi Media Production.